Welcome to We're Talking. We have an opinion about everything, and it means absolutely nothing. Now, here are your hosts, the rocket surgeon and the brain scientist, but we're not sure who's who. Craig Malasa and Josh Jacno, they're talking. Welcome to We're Talking tonight. Craig Malasa and Josh Jagno and Jay Walker, voice of the UL Raging Cajuns. How's everybody doing tonight, Josh? Wonderful. Glad to be back. Uh, exciting weekend. Lots to talk about. Good deal. How about you, Jay? You yeah, have a good weekend? Yeah, I'm with him. I mean, we got a whole lot of stuff to, to discuss, not only what we saw over the weekend, but what's getting ready to happen. It's 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 been an amazing week, and uh, I'm not sure, I mean, that I had full faith in the Cajuns, quite honestly. Not, not because... Uh, uh, I doubted them, but lots of things had it happen. And on Sunday, for some reason, everything happened right. So, but uh, I'm sorry. On Saturday, today, uh, the girls fell short uh, against LSU. Uh, I just want to say congratulations on a wonderful se- season. I know it didn't end the way you wanted to, nor any of the Cajun fans. But very proud of the way you performed uh, and and the way you. Uh, w- the class that you performed it in. So thank you very much to all the all the raging Cajuns out there this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I when you could, when you think about all of the adversity that team faced this season, it would have been very easy for them to go ahead and 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 crack. Instead, they solidified. They got closer together. Jerry Glasgow talked about what great chemistry this team has had. And you know, if you you know, we can't say what if, but, you know, you lost two really good players. You lost another one for about 16 games. And they they, they really – I really admire what they accomplished this year. I think that's a great way to say it. I think that the 2021 season will be stored in my memory archives as the team uh, that, that this season is it, – it, it, shows what the Cajun program is all about. It's just solid from top to bottom. You have Lamson Park, you have this incredible home field advantage, and it's basically taken from you because of a pandemic. And you go through ups and downs on the field, off the field, health-wise. Uh, like, for example, today, Summer had a little bit of an issue with her arm. We all heard about that. And, uh, you know, they still competed to the end. And, and when I say to the end, like literally the last pitch, there was still a glimmer of hope. So, I think it just personifies Cajun softball. It's it's a bona fide elite program in the country, and I couldn't be more proud about that. Couldn't be more proud about those folks on that team that wear raging Cajuns across their chest and represent us well. And uh, to to play in a final on Sunday um, after what they did, like Jay said, what they had to go through this year, I think is is a true testament to to the will of those ladies and those coaches. And uh, I'm proud to be a raging Cajun today. I also want to give a, a shout-out to Summer because, you know, here you are, a local girl that uh, that stayed home, had a great career, 99 career wins. Summer, congratulations. Absolutely. Definitely uh, not an easy thing to do, and uh, I, I think we're all very proud of, uh, of them all, as we've said throughout, and I'm sorry that uh, – and it's not because I've had too much, but I've already spilled a glass of bourbon on the table <laughs> We're off to a rousing start. So I tell you what, let's take our first commercial break right now, and we'll come back and and just say hello. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is the fastest we've ever done a commercial break. We'll be right back after this. We're listening to We're Talking with Greg Melanchon, Josh Yagno, and Jay Walker. 
Welcome back to We're Talking with Craig Melanson, Craig Melanson, Josh Jackno, and Jay Walker. I promise you, this is only my first drink, and it's not hasn't even been a full one. And for those wondering at home, we're having larceny. Uh, Jay is not partaking because uh, because he's he's not, and we're not going to go there right now unless I, he wants to. All, all I all I know is I uh, have a long drive ahead of me tomorrow. And, and so a long weekend behind me. And a long weekend behind me, so it's probably just as well. I understand, understand. Uh, it's it's crazy time right now. So, uh, let's talk baseball. I mean, fun, exciting time. Everything happened that needed to happen. Uh, coming into the weekend, we had uh, we needed a little, rock lo- a little Rock loss, a UTA loss, and uh, some other things to happen, and it all happened. So, Jay, why don't you, uh, I mean, I... You covered it more than we did. We sat in the stands and watched baseball. Well, you know, after um, after Thursday night when the Cajuns lost six to five, and um, you know Little Rock won that night, uh, and so it, it really kind of put the Cajuns behind the eight ball a little bit. Looked they a little were, bleak. Yeah, they they were they were going to have to you know find a way to uh, win the last two games and get a little help, uh, and they did get a little help from uh, from Georgia State. Who um, who took care of Little Rock? Got a little help from Georgia Southern, uh, who defeated UTA. The, the Cajuns needed to have one more win than UTA, and they got it. Um, and and things all fell into place. I, I'll say this though, but before we start getting into the tournament seedings and everything else, this past weekend was as good a three-game series as I have seen in a very long time. The, the series with Troy, it was just some great baseball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Cajuns were fortunate enough to win two out of three. Um, you know, there may be one pitch away from a sweep or two pitches away from losing all three. The two teams, I thought, were very, very well matched. And, and I just I just loved the heck out of it. It was just great baseball. Had a great time at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. It was fun to be there. And, by the way, Saturday we brought the noise. It, was, it felt like fatigue again. Well, that it was, was also awesome. it was also the biggest crowd of the year. Yeah, and, and and it was easy to I sat down by Craig on Saturday, and uh, it was easy to feel the energy down down near the field. So that was awesome. But uh, yeah, throughout the league, I would say, I mean, Louisiana and Troy was. I agree. First of all, I'll say that's probably the most solid three games we put together, maybe all season, from top to bottom. I mean, look what look what the bullpen was able to do. I don't want to get too into the weeds on the on the games just yet. I know we want to talk a little bit about the conference, but man. The Sun Belt, it delivered on Saturday. I'll say that. We can, we can get into the weeds on the Troy series, but Sun Belt, and I want to say this also. We talked about on this podcast if Georgia State could come through for us. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern. No, Georgia State, we talked about. Yeah. Well, we both. needed them. But I think I think it was with Colin? No, I think it was with uh, 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 Danny. Sowers. Sowers. Yeah, we both said, you know, we thought that Georgia State could score some runs and they had a chance to win some games in that series, and lo and behold, they, they did. They showed up. So, kudos to them. And they needed every run, it looked like. It's so, true. Uh, I, I don't know where you guys want to start. I, I just think the, the only thing, if you take away the first inning uh, of game one of the series, I think was is the only one that, and I think just because we gave up the four runs, and, and not, not all earned. But. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you what was what I was concerned about. You start the game, you go 0-2 to the first guy. And then you hang a changeup. 
you get ahead of the next guy with three fastballs, one, two, then throw a slow curve and hit him. And so there was a crucial error that was made uh, in that first inning, but you gave them two gifts. Yeah. And look, you, you can't give good teams stuff. And that was disconcerting to me. Some of the folks are probably going to talk about the two-out error, which you know, which wound up scoring two more runs. But for me, it was it was just the start with the first two hitters. You had a chance to make a statement, and you didn't do it. Speaking of Thursday, who was scoring? I had some brutal errors on Thursday. Oh. I didn't think the the play to Tyler was an error, and I certainly didn't think Drake's uh, infield. Little check hit. He should have had a hit instead of an. Uh, that instead was absolutely of a, a hit. Somebody was mean up there on Thursday. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I know the pitcher didn't touch the bag, but at the same time, it was like he was, was looking good. for it. it. It was one of those things. I mean, I think that's a tough error in my opinion. Oh, that was rough. Man. Well, there there were I think a, a couple. There was a tough error given out yesterday. I, I, I think it was. You know, the day was charged with an error on a. Uh, oh no, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was it was ruled a hit, and I thought it should. Have I agree, yeah. and 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 we talked about it uh, that if it, it if that's if that's if that's a hit, then I'm sorry. That's a that's a, something a shortstop needs to make. And it highlighted how difficult. I mean, how hard they scored on Thursday. It was just weird at the difference. Agree. <laughs> okay. we're, we're all sitting here looking at each other. Uh, I don't say nothing. Did I step on some toes there? Just not mine. <laughs> no, it, it was it was fun though, and uh, I mean, game two, we, we moved into game two. Uh, uh, but I, I, I'll tell you, game one on Friday night though. Going back to that, I'm sorry. Um, and why do I do this every time? The uh, the, the relief pitching there when uh, someone helped me mustache. When old mustache. Yes. Old mustache. Was it for us? Yes. On yeah. Thursday. Yes. Come on, you guys know who I'm talking about. I'm struggling with you. Now, y'all are all looking at me, and I know you guys know. Uh, the, he graduated this weekend. Okay. Uh, well, that narrows it down to about 13. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> who was... Uh, and everybody is screaming at their radio right now. It's... Mm. Yeah, it's not Carter Robinson. There's another guy that, that's been around who's who's had arm problems, but he, he pitched... Oh, Bradford. Austin Bradford. Yes, Austin yeah. Bradford. Yes, okay, thank you. He I mean, was absolutely on. nails I, for, what was it, four and two-thirds? Yeah. He, no, he was very good. The best, I mean, that's the best. He I've was seen very him. good. Now, yeah. we haven't seen him a lot over the years, but. He, well, he certainly saved the best for last. No, absolutely. He, he was he was outstanding. You know, and, and he gave the team a chance to, to come back. Yeah. And, and fell a run short. Um, but then, you know, gosh, Cook comes out Friday. And, you know, Barry McKnight has been doing Troy. I don't know, this is 16th or 17th year. And he said, he said, look, he said, I, I haven't seen too many performances like that. And, um, and he's seen good performances. And I kind of, I kind of joked with him. I said, well, you saw Hunter Moody and Zach Osborne and, and he chuckled and he said, but you know what? I don't, I don't remember anybody really dominating us like that. Maybe since then. And, uh, but he was just unbelievable and honest to goodness. I, I, it was the first time that I've called one of those where I said, you know what, he's got a legit chance to, to go ahead and get this done. Yeah. And, you know, he gave up the two-out hit in the seventh. I believe if he gets through the seventh inning that he's probably going to finish him and, and, and maybe throw a no-no. Yeah. He, was, he was that good. I agree. And, I mean, I think he, I 
there was only one base runner. He walked a guy. He walked a guy in the sixth, which yeah. broke up the perfect game. Yeah. Yeah, but he had a perfect game going through six. I mean, that to me, er- everything. And I was just looking at it, and I, w- I was sitting with uh, Chris Russo, and I said, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx us. And he goes, Oh, go ahead, you already did. I said, But I mean, the first four and a half innings went by in an hour, you know. Well, you know, those two games, the last two games, uh, were two twenty six and two eleven. I think yep. two eleven was maybe a minute longer than the game that we lost at South Alabama. That's right. Um, it, maybe that was one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much. It, it Pitchers made pitches, defense made plays, and, you know, you got you made, a, you made a couple things happen, and you managed to score enough runs. I thought Carter Robinson was really good, especially so when you figure. The, the dude gives up a home run in the first pitch of the game. Yep. And he's a fly ball guy on a day where it's warm. And during the day when it's warm, the ball carries at Russo Park. And yet, he had like nine or ten fly ball outs, but he kept them all in the park after that first one. Yep. And he was, he was just tremendous. Couldn't be more happy for a guy. He's about the best kid you'll ever talk to. I mean, he's a spectacular guy. And I, um, and I also want to thank Mark Smart for taking Bay Witcher out of the game, and I still can't figure out why. Oh, he did. could not yeah. believe that he pulled him. That, that maybe he's thinking tournament. I don't know. I, no, I. You know, Witcher's kind of been up and down. Okay, Witcher has had, you know, some games where where he's he's had all that down action working. Sure. He's also had games where he's walked a bunch of people, and I think it was the hit batsman that might have spooked him and said, I got to get him out of there before this, this goes south. But, but honestly, when, when he, and, and of course he was bringing in a lefty to face a lefty, and I said, thank you. Yeah, I agree. Because I, his pitch count was minuscule, and he was so very effective. And, you know, there are just some times where, when you pull the starting pitcher, you don't care who's coming in. You just don't want to see that guy anymore. That's the way I felt uh, with uh, with Witcher. I thought he pitched a hell of a game. Uh, we talked about it uh, during the game. I mean, it, very shocking. I didn't I didn't think any of the players uh, gave up what they what they thought they needed to. So, uh, fun baseball though, man. It was. It was a, just a good old fashioned fight. It was a bar fight. It was fun. How many eight, nine pitch at bats did we have this weekend? How many, you know, big, how many times did it feel like a big moment? How many times did it feel like this is critical? Got to get this crucial out. Got to make this pitch. I mean, we hung on pitches this weekend. Haven't done that in a while. Um, Again, just fun to be out at the ballpark. And I think Troy is very solid. I would prefer not to see them next week. Uh, They're scrappy. I think that, look, those top to bottom, they they can get you. The first five guys in their lineup are frightening, okay? And they're all like 30 because uh, they've all been there forever. (laughs) You know, Cerny, who's got the best numbers of all of them, is only a sophomore. Um, But, you know, with with, with Frederick and and Mosley and Sinkfield and and Bartolero, those guys are all veterans that have been through the wars. And I have to tell you, every time they went to the top of the lineup, it was like, here we go. Here we go. I and, and, and I thought overall our pitching staff did a great job against them. Now, they have the same problem that the Cajuns have had during a good part of the season, not so much recently. They swing and miss a bunch. Yeah. But they are, um, you know, the, the 102 doubles, 50 home runs. I mean, that, 
that's a that's a club that on any, any given day can go ahead and put ten up on you, and you and and as far as earned runs were concerned, they got what uh, seven all weekend. Seven earned, seven earned, four on on uh, Thursday. Two I, didn't, on, I didn't know if those were all run. Three on three. Earned. Well, they they scored six. Four of them were earned. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you know the the three. I mean two on um, on Friday and one on Saturday. That's that's a great job by the pitching staff and. Once again, you know, Matt Deggs has shown that he's got confidence in all of those guys. Sure. Because he's out there mixing and matching. And, and you know, we, we threw, what, six pitchers yesterday. Yeah. And, and Robinson, you know, got through five. And he used, you know, five more pitchers in the last four innings. And, and was in total command. Yeah. I mean, complete and total control of that baseball game. And as good as our starting pitching was, and I know Eric Getty had a tough first inning, but, you know, it really came down to about three pitches. Uh, but but anyway, as good as the starting pitching was, the reason why I look ahead to next week and I think this team still has some things to accomplish is because of what the bullpen was able to do. I mean, you had nine guys throw absolute gems for, for their time in the game. It is the one thing, when you start looking around the league, it is the one thing where I think the Cajuns have a clear advantage is quality pitching depth. You know, you've got, you know, there are many teams that have three good starters and a couple of three really good relievers. But after that, there's a big drop-off. And, and look, in the UTA series last week, Matt used 13 pitchers. Yep. And, and there were none of them. You say, well, he didn't, he didn't pitch very well. They all equated themselves well, and I, I think that that's the thing that's going to give that team a little bit of an advantage next week is there are other coaches that are saying, oh, gosh, I threw him on this day. Can I bring him back on this day? And, and what about this day? And, and if I use too many pitchers in game one, what's going to happen in game two? And I'm here to tell you, Matt Deggs and B.J. Ryan, don't worry about that. You don't have to worry about it. And here's another thing. You've got guys in the back end of the bullpen that maybe – or not household names around here, but Dane Dixon is figuring some stuff out. Uh-huh. And I've always thought that he has good enough stuff, but he has a deceptive release. I think that maybe just a little bit of conference, uh, confidence maybe pushes him over the edge where he's a legitimate weapon out of the pin. you got a guy like Blake Marshall who is really emerging. He is an intimidating guy on the hill. You come in with a lefty power left, he's throwing 93 with a real changeup. I mean, that's going to be a problem on a semifinal Saturday or a final Sunday. When you have guys like that that you can still pull out, I like I like what we got. I like where we are. It's and it's for that reason that I'm going to say what I'm about to say. I'm not going to be surprised to watch Matt Deggs and B.J. Ryan piece this thing together all week. Yeah, you know we we have a tendency. Well, who's going to start and can he get us to the seventh? I don't think they need to worry about that. No. I, you know, they they need they need for everybody to be effective when they're out there, and you know now Cookie's a different story. Okay, he, he's proven himself, I think, to be the best pitcher in the league, and so you know he's the guy that you want to go out in your pool play against the, the better team and say, okay, you need to go dominate this team, and then and then have him go do it. But the rest of the time, you know. Deggs can have a quick hook if he wants to because he has all the confidence in the world in the bullpen. 
one thing I like about this particular team going forward is we have things that we haven't had in a while. And that's somebody that you know can come in and go five, six innings. If, if you know, I'm not going to say a name because I don't want to jinx anybody, but just say your starter doesn't get out of the second inning. I can go pull a Jack Burke out of the bullpen. I can go get an AP out of the bullpen. I can go maybe even get a Carter Robinson if I don't think he's going to be the matchup on Saturday or Sunday. When we have guys that can literally come in and basically spot start for you coming out of the second. Uh, I don't know if we've had that luxury since maybe 2015, maybe? I, I can't think of another time in, in recent years. Well, the 2016 pen was really good. Yeah. Um, who could go long for you in 2016? And when I say long, I mean, I need somebody. Look, we even a five in well, the first. Marks had shown that he could. We They like to use him in, in short. But yeah. let's remember that in 2016, there weren't a lot of people that thought we were going to win the tournament. And then he rolls out Wyatt Marks as a starter. Yeah. Who, whose ERA that year was about almost five, and he goes out and he shoves. Yeah. And, but Marks was a guy that they could use in long relief. Now, the following year, they used him in the late innings, right. especially when, when Dylan Moore you know, had, the, had the shoulder issues. Right. But, it, um, but you do, you have guys that you can call on and say, look, I need you, I need you to eat up some innings here. Yeah. And, and, and they're capable of doing it. And weapons, not getting the overs, like, Right. Not guys that are just going to fill No, yeah, in. you don't throw them out there and say, oh, God, please don't let him give up 12. You know, every guy you bring out there, you think he's going to get somebody out. And I don't know if there's anybody else in the league that has more than two of those. I think we have four of them. Yeah, I'll go with that. And and the rest of the guys, you can, um, look, I need you to get two hitters. And then I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to bring in another guy to get me three hitters. And then I'm going to... And then, but then you have the guys in the late innings, Wilson, Nelson, um, uh, Schultz, and Tally, that are your lockdown guys at the end. Everybody's looking at me. I agree. I, I, there's not much for me to say. <laughs> you guys are nailing it right now, and and that's uh, it, it's fun to watch. And I mean, we we, we talked about uh, uh, Carter Robinson and and uh, Cook. I mean, Cook's performance is. Probably one of the best I've seen there in a long time, and probably going back to Gunnar Leger when he, you know, when he was doing his thing, which it still amazes me how many games that he was pulled that he hadn't allowed a run. You know, I also want to give some props. You, know, you talked about we had a, you know, a, a nice atmosphere yesterday at the ball game. Yeah. I also want to give props to our fans for something else. The ovation that Bay Witcher got when he left the game. Yes, I, I said, "Good for you guys." You know, well deserved, and I, I agree. I thought it was respectful, and, and what we do, I, sure. I and and, I, and going a step further, when Cook left, and obviously it was a great performance, but our fans recognized that, and uh, Cook giving a little tip of the hat there as he came off the field was very special. Uh, I was sitting by his mom, and I know she was very proud and. Uh, they had a good time that night. He had lots of family there, and I can tell you, I mean, you had shirts on that says, my cousin is number two. It was awesome to see. Yeah. So you know, We met, that, that we met were, Pete and his mother on Thursday night, and uh, that's another story. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were excellent folks, and, and, you know, all the best to the Cook family. I couldn't be more. I mean, look, we tend to have great people here, so it gets repetitive when you say, oh, they're so great. It is so true, though. 
I'm, it's such an honest thing to say. There's really you run out of superlatives. I mean, we we just find excellent human beings to bring here. It's true, you know. It, and, and, but that is something that has been a mainstay of the two head coaches. You know, you you between Tony Robichaud and Matt Deggs, and and I've said this to everybody this year. They're two very different types of coaches, but they both have the same moral compass and they both have the same priorities, and that's you're going to be a good citizen, you're going to get your education, you're going to do things the right way, and it's not a fluke that it works out that way because if if they see that those kids don't meet, meet that criteria, guess what? They don't offer them. Need not apply. That's it. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, we, we know Deggs to be a certain way, and we see him on the field. And First-class presentation after the game on Saturday. Which I thought so, too. It always is, but uh, seeing seeing Coach Deggs with the guys, and Tony, it, it used to you know get to you when Tony did it as well, but it, it just really brought some joy to see the the, the happiness on, on Deggs' face, man. I, I just, I don't know. Something about that few minutes, uh, it got me. No, I, I, I'm with you because it was Matt Degg's first senior day at UL. That, okay? that is very true. In his first graduation day at UL. Yeah. And I... Um, he was as excited as the parents. He was. And it was, and, it was and genuine. It was absolutely genuine. I, I want to take time. There, there are two young women that work in the athletic department that are absolute rock stars. Emmy Logan handles marketing and promotions, and she was the one who put together all those videos from home. She she even put together their, their BP music. She coordinated and wrote all of the stuff that was said yesterday. She's down on the field saying, okay, now you go, all right? Everything went off so smoothly. It was so well organized and so coordinated, and she's done that all year long. Yeah. The other one is Heather Williams. We don't see Heather very much. She handles a lot of the graphic design. And, you know, the game's over, and there's a graphic up on the scoreboard that talks about being the Western Division champions, and that's her work. That's what she does, and she Love is so amazing. I'll, I'll tell you a story that, and it's going to be a basketball story for just a second. We're going to have senior, senior night, okay? The, the framed jerseys that they ordered had not come in. And they were going to have, like, nothing. Heather Williams stayed up all night putting together collages and stuff for each of the players to present to them. There were only two seniors. Until those jerseys could come in. Everything looked perfect. That young woman stayed up all night putting that stuff together. She got a phone call. Bob Marlin made her an honorary captain this year um, for the work that she does. The university has recognized it. You know, they've, they've given both of them a, increased responsibility and a raise and all of that. But these are, these are two young women that are just incredible. And the work that they do, I'm just, I'm just amazed by. There's another one, uh, Jill. You might know her last name. She's the counselor for the guys, puts their schedules together, makes sure they get, their, they get their credit for their hours earned and everything. It's, her last name is escaping me, but I met her this weekend, and she was also a fantastic person. I mean, my gosh, uh, polite, well-spoken, uh, respectful. I, I, again, run out of superlatives. We have amazing people around here, but uh, I got to say this one thing before we move off of, of senior day and graduation. 
I feel a tap on my shoulder. It's Catherine. She points up, because we were sitting down in Supreme Race. Points up. Tim Perrin is hanging over the railing. Blubbering. I mean, pouring tears. Clap. Clapping for his boy. Clap, clap, clap. And look. I've been going to games since I was seven years old. That I can remember, you know. That was one of my favorite moments. I mean, I, I just... That guy is there. He's He goes to the games on the road. He, he's just the ultimate player dad. I think Austin Perrin is an awesome dude also. But he's just... It was awesome. I mean, just to watch him be so proud of his boy. Um, and it, you could tell he had the look on his face like, this is the culmination. This is, and it's also the last time. You know, so it was, it was. Unless it's not. Well, at the T, you know. Unless it's not. He's got another year. Because he has another year of eligibility. Oh, so he may come back. He, well. Oh, there's a lot of them. I mean, there, only four yeah, of them were the, seniors. The other, the of other. The, of the 12 graduates, only four were seniors. Okay. So the other eight. There are decisions to be made, yes. but well, you know. Well, we'll if that's, I, I didn't realize that. If that's the case, he may actually come back. But doesn't change the moment. The moment no. was just just tremendous. Look, it was you know, great. What a, what a relief it has to be, and what a moment it has to be. And, and I, I mentioned um, uh, Brian and Michelle Bro during, during the broadcast because they're that's another set of parents. Every road trip, yeah. they were there, and and look, it wasn't because it was Brennan's last go around. They've been doing that the, the kids' whole life and doing yeah. it with the, with, with the other kids, too. And the culmination is walking out and Joe Sabwa hands you something, okay? Absolutely. That is, now, Brennan had already gotten his bachelor's degree. I mean, this is, he gets his master's. But I understand Tim Perrin, and I understand a lot of the other parents, too. Yeah. Just the day... That's it gets me every year. Okay, it gets me every year. It's why they go to school to start with. They don't major in baseball, and the coaches don't let them major in baseball. Well, I I will tell you, in talking to Coach Deggs, I think one of the proudest things he had uh, of this year was their 3.3 GPA as a team this semester, which is an awesome accomplishment. And going back to the parents, uh, I spent some time with Rob Schultz. Jacob's dad during the uh, graduation ceremony and it was just you know you could tell I mean he was choked up I'm choking up now good people and Jacob came out on on Saturday and shoved it up Troy's you know what and was, was, it was an awesome performance and Jacob has had some bad breaks not in his pitching so much but there's been that that error or something that happens along the way that or he's had to come in with two guys on base but it's never affected him. Well, he had two games this year that he wasn't real effective, and one of them was the Nichols game over in Thibodeau, where I think they scored five, yep. you know, and they wound up bringing in Bradford to to close the door, and and there might have been one other one where he was treated a little bit rudely, and so his numbers as a result don't look like a lockdown dude, right? Because he had a bad outing, and 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 if you're in the bullpen, all it takes is one, and but he's a lockdown dude, you know. It's it's pick your poison, okay? Do you do you want to face the left-hander who's going to shove it or the right-hander who's going to shove it? And he's still improving. He's yeah. still increasing velo. Yeah. He's getting bigger. He's getting better. He, his stamina is increasing. Not to mention, ever since he's been here, his role has changed about four times. You know, the draft. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with the draft uh, because you've got 
you've got a couple of guys that you know you're probably going to lose because of the draft. Then you've got other guys who are going to have a decision to make. Okay, I've finished school. Um, do I come back and, and do it? And look at, all of, look at all of the players that you have because of the COVID year, all right? Let's go around the diamond, all right? C.J. Willis is a sophomore, all right? Bobby Lede is a sophomore. Tyler Robertson is a sophomore. Um, uh, um, uh, Jonathan Brandon's a junior. Um, and then you had Bro, who's a senior. And then you've got Kimple, who's a junior. And, of course, Rockefeller is a freshman. And you look at some of the guys that have come off the bench. And then you look at the guys in the pitching staff. Aragetti's a sophomore. Now he's a draft-eligible sophomore. Right? So is Cook. But, but, and so is Cook. The point that I'm making here is because of the COVID year, these draft-eligible sophomores, if they do get drafted, are going to have a little bargaining power because they can come back as juniors and, still, and, and maybe even do even better in the draft the following year. Right. So that part of it's going to be very interesting. And I don't know what that pitching staff's going to look like next year because a lot of the players who got their degrees yesterday are pitchers. pitchers exactly. And so decisions have to be made and we'll find out a whole lot more when Matt Deggs has his exit interviews at the at the end of the year. Uh, some who maybe didn't like their role may, may try to go be a grad transfer somewhere. And, and you know, the, the, the NCAA's created free agency now. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get one mulligan. And so, I mean, you just don't know and at the same time, you sit there and you say, okay, if this guy comes back and this guy comes back and this guy comes back, and, oh, I didn't realize this guy was so young, um, we only had four seniors, guys. Well. Only four. And we absolutely hit on Bobby and Rock. Mm-hmm. After, I mean, they're gonna, they are going to be players for at least three years here. Yeah. My, my whole thing with, with it all is, is, is twofold. Is one that the, now that the draft, I don't know if it'll always be that way. Is only twenty rounds. I don't think we lose those guys that are the filler players. The guys that we're losing are guys that that can compete and move on, and we won't lose that junior that, even though he was drafted in the thirty-fifth round, that's his biggest bargaining power. And and I don't, I can't blame him. For, I'm not trying to say he that he didn't do the right thing because you offered me a hundred thousand dollars, and then the next year. Colton Schmidt signed for a thousand dollars because he was a senior; he had no bargaining power. But these guys aren't going to. The majority of them that get drafted aren't going to be fillers. Is my point. They're going to be players. They're going to have the opportunity to get to the show. Yep. So, which is which is all their goals. And at the same time, I'm being a little greedy. I'm saying, Drake Osborne, if you're listening, come on back and be a grad assistant. Teach teach these boys what to do. Get your uh, get your masters and 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 do what you need to do in life. But at the same time, I understand Drake is one hell of a ball player, and if he goes, there's no no doubt in my mind he'll be successful. And uh, named to the semifinal uh, Buster Posey yes. award watch list, so that'll be yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's been 20 years since that happened. Yeah, I, I heard that on the on the over deal at the game, but oh, he's been a good one. Uh, even better than I expected, and I expected him to be really good. Well, he's I think he's better than what Matt expected, too. Now, Matt knew he was going to be good defensively and sure. handle a pitching staff. But I think Drake's best year at Corpus Christi, he hit like 240. Yeah. He, they didn't expect him to hit 340, which is what he's done. 
All right, well, we're going to take our next break. Uh, you're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malanson, Josh Jagno, and Jay Walker. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to We're Talking tonight with Josh Jagno, Craig Malanson, and Jay Walker. Let's talk tournament time, guys. Uh, let's start out with Pool A. Might as well go just right down it and, and, and see what's going on there. We've got uh, South Alabama, Little Rock, and Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I, I don't know if Mark Calvi is more pissed off or bummed out or determined. I, I don't know how he was feeling when he saw this. Little Rock swept him during the regular season. Now, granted, it was in Little Rock where they didn't lose very much this year. And then on top of that, they took two out of three from Coastal. But Coastal, over the last couple of weeks, starting to swing the bats again. And so I'm looking at that, at that pool and I'm going, you know, I don't think there's any question South Alabama's the best team. But that's the thing about the way this tournament is set up this year. All you got to do is suck once, and you might be done by the time Friday comes. Or somebody can come out and have a great game. Now, South Alabama lost their number one pitcher. You know, Jeremy Lee's out for the year. Now, the guy who replaced him has done a fine job, but he took um, – he got outpitched by Tyler Tudhill up at App State on Thursday. But they're – you're, okay, you're playing number four in the West and number six in the East. Both of those teams are a little scary. They are. I agree. Now that Smith has moved to Friday or game one, uh, who are they using out of the back of the bullpen to, to shut games out? Uh, well, uh, you know, S- Sam and Diego has been their number one guy. Now, he's, he's he got popped a couple of times, and one of them was in Little Rock yep. where he gave up five. Yep. Um, but he's, he's been the guy, I think, that they depend on the most. But I think South Alabama, next to the Cajuns, probably has the most quality pitching um, of Top anybody, to bottom, of, I everybody else in the league. So, I you know, I, I think you can go ahead and make that move. And, it look, if, if some other teams in this league lost their Friday night starter, they'd be crippled. South Alabama's not. I agree. Uh, I think JoJo Booker's probably going to be the guy that they would throw against Coastal Carolina. Who's the Saturday night, the Saturday guy? I forget his name. Well, I know they've moved the things around. Right, but who was game two starter for us? The the, um, I don't know. I, I can't. remember. Escaping me as well. That's but why I, I but I do know this. Booker isn't going to throw on Wednesday. Right. That's that's what I'm okay. saying. He's not he's not going to throw because he's because he threw Saturday. So it's going to be coastal on Wednesday for South Al. Um, the tech. Uh, yeah, yeah. They play coastal on Wednesday. Coastal has to play Little Rock on Tuesday. And then they turn around and they play South Alabama on Wednesday. And my guess is, if, I, if I'm going to try to read Gary Gilmore's mind, he's going to try to piece that pitching thing together on Tuesday, and then he's going to throw PV House on Wednesday. Uh, and PV House will, will give him a chance, but they're swinging the bats again. Uh, I don't like the matchup for, for, uh, for South. I, I, first of all, I don't want to play Coastal at all, but... If I don't, if I don't, if I can't throw JoJo Booker, and I don't have, obviously you don't have Jared Lee. I think Coastal has the upper hand. The way that they're trending, I would be terrified if I'm a South Al fan today. You know, and even if if you've slogged through the year, and obviously you've under uh, underachieved, and I think it's amazing 
that the two teams that were picked to win their respective divisions both finished last with Texas State and Coastal. You can have your issues, and, and I think both teams have issues, maybe with chemistry or whatever, because their personnel is too good for them to be last. Yeah. There was a reason why they were picked first. But now you get to flush all of that and you get a second chance. Those teams can be really, really dangerous. Well, even as bad as they were early on in the season with Coastal, I mean, they lead. Uh, they're, they're tied for the lead. They, they lead the, the Eastern Division in on-base percentage and are just a, a, a few percentage points away from uh, OPS. So as bad as they have been, I think it really shows what they've done. Like, I think they beat Wake Forest. I mean, I mean, just like, like redhead, the redhead stepchildren. I it mean, was just, never close. And Jay may correct me if I'm wrong on this, but South Al is the antithesis of Coastal. Coastal will get guys on base, but they don't come through. They don't get the clutch hit. As opposed to South Al, where you know you're not going to have uh, plenty of opportunities, but when they have the opportunities, when they have the opportunities, they make hay. You know, there was a, a guy I met one time who knew a little bit about baseball, <laughs> who said if you have pitching, defense, and timely hitting, you can win a lot of games. South Alabama is really the epitome of that because yeah. they can pitch. Yeah. They are easily the best defensive team in the league. I mean, it's not close. And they don't get a lot of hits, but they get a lot of clutch hits. And saying all of the things that I'm saying about this this particular uh, pool, and we haven't even touched on Little Rock, who hasn't been very good away from home, but they've got a lockdown number one guy in Hayden Arnold, and then their number two guy was the preseason pitcher of the year. And has stuff. If he throws and strikes, has he's stuff. filthy. Yeah. So, and, and they've got, you know, one and a half guys in the bullpen who are, who are pretty good. They don't have much pitching depth at all, but but they've got some guys in the lineup who can hurt you, uh, and and they've got two really good starters and and they show they can play defense against. The, I mean, in our series, I felt like they played really good defense. And and so you know, I I, I don't want to overlook them either. I don't think this bracket, this pool does South Alabama any favors. But you know what? I think South Alabama's playing on Saturday. Uh, I I would agree. That it, with that, even with their 238 batting average as a team, but we saw what happened when the Cajuns rolled into Mobile. That 230 or that 234 at the time, I believe, batting average yeah. didn't make a whole lot of difference. Uh, and I'll say this about the South: I have been bullish on South Alabama. You know this. I think they can win the pool. I don't think they can win the tournament. I think Jared Lee. I think that is a, is a gigantic hole. Later, I think it, it really comes into play Saturday, Sunday. You're just gonna have to use too many guys. Well, let's look. For them to move on, let's just say they, they take their pool and moving on, they're going to actually have uh, the matchup is against pool D, as in dogs, UTA, Troy, and Arkansas State. We just saw what Troy did. I like Troy a lot. Uh, yeah, and we has, know what UTA. We know what UTA. I think those were two good series we had. I agree. You know. And Arkansas State. UTA and Troy are a lot alike in, in this way. Both of them have a really good number one guy mm-hmm. with Tavera and Gaines. I still can't believe Tavera went two and four this year. That's because I think he's got the best stuff in the whole league. Um, both of them have been hit and miss with their third game starters, and both of them don't have a ton of bullpen depth. UTA's got two guys that I really really like um, in Wong and King, and King reminds me so much of Dylan Moore with with his delivery. Everything, yes, setup, delivery, the whole deal, and. But both have questionable pitching depth, but they both have veteran lineups. 
You know, if you look at, at the, the lineup two years ago for, uh, for UTA, the only positions that are different are second base and catcher. Everybody else is back. And, and we've already gone over what, what Troy has with their lineup. So those two teams are very, very similar, and it's just going to come down to who plays better. Then you've got Arkansas State. Once again, pitching depth is a real issue. In fact, the entire pitching staff is, is a big question mark. But they are physical. They, they swing with a purpose. That is a very good offensive team. And, and I'm telling you, when, when we played Arkansas State and they were coming to bat, it was like the first seven guys in the lineup, I was going, my God, look at how these guys are built. They're very, very capable of ruining somebody's cornflakes. I'm just saying. Jay, let me ask you this. Do you believe that you pitch through a tournament or do you hit through a tournament? The, the old adage, okay, the old adage is you pitch your way to a tournament and you hit your way through it. Okay. Um, I don't know that Arkansas State can get to Saturday because, I, because they have the potential on any given day to give up quite a few runs. Although their first two starters have been pretty good lately, lately they have been. That's but true. Uh, but they're and, but and for Kyle, a while, and Collins, Collins was like nine. Collins Stone, and, and I still think it's about close to seven. seven. Yeah. But yeah. Collins Stone's been, a, you know, a pretty Better. decent guy late in the game. Yeah. Jack Jumpers had his his. Now after that in the bullpen, they're, they're they're they don't have a hell of a lot, and and they really haven't. You know, you got maybe four guys, five guys at the most that you can depend on, and that's not enough in a tournament setting. Um, but these guys can swing the bat, and and they can score some runs, and uh, and they can score them in bunches, and and they have shown that they can do that, especially if you have a day where you're giving them free stuff, because it's Arkansas State is a is a team that. You know, you get an infield hit, and then you walk two guys, and then some guy sticks one in the gap. Yeah. And now you've given up three runs. Um, that's an interesting um, – and I'm not going to just sit here and say, well, I think that, you know, it's going to be UTA, even though they're the top seed team in the bracket. Especially UTA and Troy, because they're, so, in my opinion, very, very similar type clubs. Agreed. Well, you you got a team like uh, tr- uh, Arkansas State, like you, like you guys talked about, with the seven seven point three zero ERA, worst in the league by far, and also only played forty seven games, but uh, also the lowest number. And, and part of that had to do with weather at the very beginning, which we were all hit by, and that's that's where I think we're really blessed in Louisiana with the opportunity uh, with teams in the area to play. And you know, we we know the, I think the UNO game and the Southern game would have both been benefited us uh, greatly. Arkansas State is just a little bit ahead of us with a 268 batting average. Ours is 267 as a team. But they also lead the league in on-base percentage at uh, 365. So what you guys are saying is exactly true, and the numbers support that. So I'm not trying to contradict you anywhere, but I can do that if you want. And I've said this, and I've said this, and I've said this, and I've said this. Nobody likes to play Tommy Raffo in the month of May because yeah. that's when Arkansas State plays their best baseball. You're right about that. And so I'm not going to be surprised if they jump up and bite one of these teams and maybe cost them a chance to, be, to get to... I, 
I think I'm going against the grain here, and I think I'm going with Troy to get to the semifinals. Now, they'd have to win both games, okay? They lose one, they're done. But um, I, I'm, I liked what I saw out of Troy over the weekend. Oh, I think Gaines as a freshman is just outstanding. Mm. Ortiz really impressed me, too. Like Ortiz, like Oates also, uh, Osal in the back of the bullpen. Uh, I think he closed Thursday and Oates. Saturday. Marquez Oates. Yep, yep. I like him a lot. No, he's very, very now, good, Now, he did too. give up the run late, but, I mean, look, that was just kind of a product of manufacturing a run there. Right. But no, I, I, I like him. He's got good stuff. I kind, I kind of like Troy in that bracket. I think so, too. Uh, I could be dead wrong. Might be uh, recency bias because we just went through a, maybe, a bar Maybe fight. so, but, but I had seen UTA just the Less week before. Week. Yeah. And I just... Troy's lineup scares me more than UTA's does, even though both of them are veteran lineups. Confer. I just love it. One through nine, they're going to fight you. Yep. I don't know if I can say that with UTA. No, I'm not saying they have a bad lineup. I'm just saying every it was just mentally draining. If I'm a pitcher, I'm not, I don't want to see Troy. I think I can get through a couple of guys at UTA. So I, that's just from a fan perspective. I do uh, like Troy, though. It, it, it's fun. It's exciting, and I, I I agree. I don't know if it's if it's if it's recent bias, if that's what you want to call it, because we just saw Troy. But at the same time, I like the way they play ball, and I like the way we played ball this weekend. And I think if both teams play like they played this weekend, they advance to the next round. But they've got to play error-free ball. In La- my last opinion. thing on Troy before we move on from Troy, we pro- like I said, I think we strung together our three best games minus the first inning of Game One. Uh, and we were probably two really bad foul ball calls on Saturday from losing that game. Yeah. That was really bad. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Pool B, which it will be the Cajuns are in Pool C, and we'll we'll settle that last. But Pool B with Georgia Southern, ULM, and Georgia State. Kind of interesting. I've said for the last, I don't know how many weeks, I thought Georgia Southern was the best team in the league. They've stumbled a little bit, but they actually came through this weekend and were uh, – Great help to the Cajuns, and I and our friends over there were, were texting us saying, you know, hey, we helped you out, now help us out. And we're like, we're trying, we're trying. But uh, fun weekend if, you, if, you, if you're a guy that likes college baseball and, uh, and goes. Uh, ULM is one of, I, I, in my opinion, has got to be one of the hottest teams in the league right now with, with what they did to TCU. Uh, Georgia State, uh, it looks like they can swing and hit the ball, but who knows? You might have a fourteen to fifteen game there. So, what are you guys liking in that that pool B? I like the fact that ULM, to to everyone's surprise, is the three seed out of the West. That was that was my biggest shock this morning when I updated was, my spreadsheet. Was it Jay Walker's surprise? Um, well, you know, they're almost five hundred in the league, correct? Uh, yeah, they, I think they're they were I think they finished eleven and thirteen. Like, like a game. Of um, game. but it. When we saw them on Easter weekend, um, they had some guys in the lineup who were good, um, and and they had a few arms that were good. But there seemed they they seemed to be a little bit off in all three phases of the game. Now, they're pitching better. At least they are on the weekend. But this team's raking. Oh, this team is swinging the bat, and you know if you're going to play ULM in the tournament, you better score runs because guess what? They're going to. Yeah. Um, and and you know, really, when we saw them earlier in the season, 
outside of Humanyuk and, and maybe one or two other guys, their lineup wasn't scary. That lineup's scary now, and they're scary one through nine. They're, this team is, is, is playing as good a baseball right now as anybody, and they certainly are hitting the ball as well as anybody right now. I, I don't remember if it was our first podcast or if, if, you, if the three of us were just sitting around talking, but you said, you know, this is not your mama's ULM team or right. something like that. And I, and I, my comment was, until they show me something, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying what you're selling. And then we went up there and we swept them. And then at, there was something though about them when they came here, I was uncomfortable with. And since that time, they have been playing good baseball and they're actually second in the league in batting average. So, I mean, and they're, and they're on base percentage and they're, their slug is right there. I mean, everything they're doing is right. Everybody, anywhere you'd want to listen to any kind of media or whatever, is like, you know, it's ULM, it's this, that. Not Jay, obviously. You know, Jay's one of he's one of us, so he was right. But uh, we said, we said here, and, and we sat here when talking about it. We said, if you, we're talking about the, the homestand that was coming up, remember? Yep. And I specifically remember talking about ULM. And uh, when we talked about the game, I was uncomfortable. I don't want to play ULM right now. I don't want to play him in the midweek because I, you know, I, I don't have a cook and I don't have an Arigetti or I have a Carter Robinson. I, I had some anxiety about that game and I thought they were scrappy then. And the next couple of weeks after, it's like they just came together. Not saying that their win over us was, you know, some sort of a linchpin or something, but just to say that I followed them a little bit clo- more closely after that, and it was like overnight they really figured some stuff out. Uh, they they had 13 losses in the league. Six of them were to the Cajuns in Georgia Southern. So there you go. Two and, sweeps. And how how early in the season was that conference-wise? How early in the season was it that? Was, Probably it, the was first er, it, it was early. It was actually right after the, the three-game sweep that Georgia Southern got. Mm-hmm. And then that, that we got. And then all of a sudden, they had a weekend where they really played well. And then and then from then on, they were, they were just really good. And... They should have swept TCU. Well, they were competitive against Ole Miss. And then they went and beat TCU two out of three. I mean, you can't be a bum team and go walk into Dallas. and. I think they're one of the scariest teams in the league right now. But at the same time, Georgia Southern leads the league in uh, batting average, slugging percentage, OPS, runs scored, hits, triples, RBI. I mean, And a lot of that was before this last yeah. month. Okay. I understand that. I they, think they're trending they, down. They, well, I, I will say this. I, Georgia Southern, I like their pitching staff. Yeah. Okay. Now, Owens has gotten hit a few times recently, but I like their overall staff in that they've got a lot of guys, numbers wise, that I'm going to call serviceable. Okay. They may not be, they may not have the pitching depth the Cajuns have, but they have some guys who can come in and get you out. Um, and then you've got the best late innings guy maybe in America in the bullpen in Nick Jones, who, who leads the country in saves and has tied the Sun Belt record for He's most still saves. Tied? Of the, yeah. Well, he just tied it yesterday. Okay, well, I, it's because I think like a month and a half ago we were talking about oh, but that's, he was on his way to break but, the record. But Yeah, but that's because I forgot who held the record. Okay, yeah. I thought Dylan Moore held the record. 19 was the record. Kid from UTA, the left-handed sidewinder. Said it two years ago, and I totally forgot about it. I don't even remember the kid's name. What was the number? 
19. 19. And so Jones got his 19th save yesterday. Um, so I'm going to say this. Georgia Southern, here's the other thing that falls well for ULM. All right, they're playing Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going to play Georgia State on Tuesday. Early game? Um, Georgia State on Tuesday. No, it is the... Um, U- I'm sorry, ULM is going to play Georgia State 3 p.m. 4 o'clock on Tuesday. 3 p.m. Central. And then ULM doesn't play again until Friday. They play Tuesday, Friday. If you've got oh, a I'm thin sorry. bullpen... Yeah. Tuesday, you said. You're, you're going to go out, you you go out and you play Tuesday and you do what you got to do to win. And then three days later, your bullpen's ready to go again. So what's your scenario? Do you all staff it on Tuesday? I And no, then do a weekend rotation Friday, Saturday? No, no. I think, look, against Georgia State, you got to go out and pitch well because, yeah, they can because those dudes can swing it yeah. too. That could be a 15-14 game. Yeah, for but, sure. But it could, but, it, but if ULM survives that, then, yeah, you threw one guy that you're not going to throw again, but the rest of your bullpen is ready to go. And when you don't have a big bullpen, that's very important. So the timing works out for the Warhawks. If Georgia Southern is going to get through this, they better hit. Yes. Because the other two teams are going to. Which is what they haven't been doing lately. Right. Yes, I apologize. The ULM-Georgia State game is at 4 p.m. on Tuesday. And uh, then then on Wednesday, it's Georgia Southern, Georgia State. You know, it's interesting how things fall because I think we're better off playing back-to-back days because of the pitching staff we have, and I think it's good for us. I agree. Now, with ULM, though, I agree also that Tuesday to Friday thing will benefit them. And I think there's one – I think, uh, is it not UTA, it's Troy does the same thing on a Tuesday. uh, Tuesday at 1230 against Arkansas State, and then they play UTA. How does that does that be, benefit them on, on that scenario too? Well, I I think it does, um, because again, I I don't know that Troy's bullpen is particularly deep, but, but what that enables them to do, when they play on Tuesday against Arkansas State, if they need for Oates to come in and give them three innings at the end, that's fine. He played and then come back on Friday, and. He's fresh and ready to go. Um, so, yeah, I think that helps him. So, okay, so that helps him in that scenario. But at the same time, if you play Friday and you pitch him three innings, you're going into the weekend, which is, well. Look, I mean, I know look, I know you you got to win to get to the weekend. You got Look, the, the object right now, the goal is to play on Saturday. And you do whatever you got to do to play on Saturday. I, I totally agree. And I think you, you there there's no scenario that I see that, that Coach Deggs is doing the same, not thinking the same thing there. Uh, the nice part about it, and I think, well, we're gonna we're gonna take. Uh, are we done with Pool B right now? First, well, before well, I have one last comment on. Yeah, you go ahead. Well, I'm not trying to. And also, you know, you, we need to pick a winner in this. In this for yeah, sure, for sure. I, I'll make my comment, then we'll do that. I think that, and this is a small thing, but I think it matters. Another thing that benefits ULM is that Georgia Southern and Georgia State hate each other. It's a rival. That's a rival game. But you saw you saw where Georgia Southern scored what twenty three to three or something like that, and sure. then they lost the next two games. Sure, but my so, point my point yeah, is that it, even though it is pool playing this postseason, and I understand that nobody's really looking ahead. When Georgia State is the next game, I'm just I just think that that matters a little bit. Uh, I, I I'll go with you on that. 
I'll go with you on that. All right, who's winning the pool? I'm going to take ULM. Because they're the three seed, they're the second highest seed in the in the turn in the uh, pool, right? Yeah, it's ULM. I'm going to go with Georgia Southern. I just have a feeling that they've got look, they've got some veteran guys who are in their last go round, okay? And I just believe that they're going to come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I'm not going to be shocked if ULM wins the pool. I'm not. I'm picking Georgia Southern. Uh, and I agree with Jay, and it's not not because of our friends over at Georgia Southern. Uh, I I think Georgia Southern is still the better ball club. Now I think ULM uh, again not shocked if if they go out and play, but I just think their whole situation there with the separation. Now, but at the same time, they've got to beat Georgia State. Okay, I mean, so that's my question to you guys: Will you be surprised if Georgia S- uh, State comes out of that pool? Not right. I won't. No. Uh, no, I will. I think that they no. have some missing pieces, but I think that they've played such a difficult schedule, and I think they've gotten a lot better. Here's why I don't think they will. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, good enough. I, I think that they've gotten enough. They have seen good enough arms, and I don't think they're great. I just don't think Southern I, – I can see a scenario where Georgia Southern is not hitting the way they can, and ULM is not quite ready for the stage. I can see that scenario happen. Here's why I don't think they do. Because they play on Tuesday against ULM and then on Wednesday against Georgia State. I don't think they can win both of those games. I think that pool all finishes one and one and Georgia Southern moves on. I can see that. I can see that. So, before we get to the Cajuns pool, we're going to take another quick break. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Melanson, Josh Jagno, and the voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. 